Well, let's open our hearts to the Word and uh, ask God to help us, Lord, to not just be hearers of the Word, but to be doers of the Word. Lord, as we look at Your Word today, make Your Word alive. Lord, I, I just I, every time I read Your Word, I think that the author who was here that moved on people's hearts to write these words down is right here with me to unfold these words. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to just make your word alive in us today. But more than that, let your words have a transforming, changing power in our lives, God. Lead us, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. One uh, word that has gotten, I mentioned it last week, and I could even see some people jump a little bit. It's the word submit, submission. Uh, It's one of those words, a scary thing. I looked it up in the dictionary this week. Just again, to see how the world looks at it, there are several different definitions. The one that I think scares the people the most, submit to accept or yield to a superior force or the authority or will of another person. Now, nobody wants to be forced to submit. You have this picture of somebody there, you know, with a a baseball bat or something like that saying, you know, get down on your knees. Well, that's not what the submission of the Bible is talking about. Having a superior force rule over you sounds daunting, doesn't it? Unless it's a benevolent God who loves us so much that would never do anything wrong to hurt us. To know, and I want you to think about this because this helps me a lot as I start to look at the whole principle of submission and authority. To know that Jesus, the one that we call the King of kings and the Lord of lords, modeled submission in his life. The very one who was the word of God with the Father in the beginning. What does John say in chapter 1? The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was right there. John is putting Jesus in that Genesis chapter 1 narrative. So we see the Spirit hovering over the water. The Father is uh, narrating this whole thing, but the Word is Jesus Himself. You see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit involved in the Trinity. So this, one who was there in the beginning of creation, takes on human form and submits to the Father. Think about that. Now, if Jesus can submit, it's probably a clue to us that we need to learn to have a heart of submission. We, we do submit, by the way, all the time without thinking. You submit to others. You know that. Every time you stop at a stop sign, you submit for the greater good. So there's not a car crash. If you're a rebel and you just keep going, and I've met some of those people. I've seen them. I had two people that just, I mean, it's like they come up and they see that you're a little farther down the intersection and they keep going. And I honk my horn lovingly at some lady this week who was pulling out right in the middle. I mean, her light was totally red. And I just kind of waved at her like, hello, we're here. The rest, there's a whole line of traffic. We're going through the intersection here. Nice to see you. And she was yelling something. I don't know what. But if she doesn't have a little light on her car, little blue and red lights and a siren, she's not allowed to go through there, right? So we understand that authorities, sometimes people do submit. You submit to laws all the time for the greater good. You hopefully submit to laws that are good laws for the greater good, right? Well, what does the Bible mean by submission? It means walking in accord with what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. When we walk in accord with the Holy Spirit, it means that we're submitted to God. Romans chapter 8 talks about this in verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh, and the flesh here means our sinful nature. If you live according to your sinful nature, you have your mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. 
The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, it means that the Spirit of God comes to live in you and you enter into a partnership where the Holy Spirit leads you into places, into things. He guides you into all good things, right? And Romans 8 goes on to say, those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. It's the people that are hearing the voice of God. I know that there are some Christians that believe God doesn't speak to people today. That's kind of funny that God would tell us that we need to hear his voice and that he doesn't speak. He does speak to people today and he wants to lead you. I can't tell you how many times I've had that little inner voice that says, don't do that, or you need to go this way, or that's not what I have for you today. You need to do something else. There are times when I've gone even the other way, even though I heard that voice, my world didn't come to an end, but my day did not go as well as if I had listened to the Lord. There are times when the Lord has said, walk this way instead of that street, and I've encountered somebody, I've had a divine appointment, and I knew that the Holy Spirit, who had a greater wisdom and knowledge than me, was aware not just of who I was and where I was, but of everything around me. It doesn't tax God, by the way. He doesn't have computer uh, storage problems in his mind. He doesn't have bandwidth problems in communicating. He can communicate to everybody on an intimate level at the same time. Try that supercomputer. It doesn't work, Siri. <laughs> so I love the comment Jana said last week. I won't listen to her, but I listened to Siri. That's not true. I'm a little defensive. She's not here. She can't defend herself, so I'll say that right now. When I, hear, when I hear the voice you know, from my GPS, I know that it can be wrong because that, that voice has led me astray so many times. Okay, How many of you have had experiences? Years ago, we had a young lady um, named Sunila, um, beautiful um, Indian-American woman. She was studying uh, medicine, and Ivan and Joanne had invited her to a party at their house. And I remember her calling. She said, I'm looking at a lake. There's no house here, but my GPS says you live in the lake. <laughs> so <laughs> she was close, but she was on the other side of the lake. The problem is there probably was a road there at some point, but when they flooded the reservoir, the road is now underwater. Can I tell you that God doesn't do that? When we are led of the Spirit, when we have a heart and mind of submission and pleasing God, God can lead us. And the Word tells us when we acknowledge Him in all our ways, He will direct our paths. You say, I don't want to bother God. I know He's busy. That's not how God works. I've, I've prayed for parking spaces when I've been in major cities and I needed to get somewhere. And I said, Lord, you need to help me right here. And all of a sudden, I'll just get this nudge. Go right, and there's a parking space. How many of you have had that experience? I know it's not just me. It's true. God cares about us, and He wants you to reference Him throughout the day. We walk with the Holy Spirit. But it also means that we yield to the Holy Spirit when He convicts us. And conviction is not condemnation. God doesn't condemn us. But there are times when He says, you know what you're doing is wrong. You need to stop that spiritually, and you need to go the other way. You need to do things God's way instead of your own way. And when you do that, what are you doing? You're submitting to God. So the first thing we need to learn is submission is a good thing. If you want to walk with God, you need to learn to submit your heart to God. God's authority can only be released when we are in submission. I had a very interesting uh, question. Some of the questions we get for the, uh, 
uh, the uh, pastor's um, show that we're going to be on Monday. What is that? Ask the Pastor? Yeah. They, some of those come in early and then some come in because it's going to be a live show. We have people calling in, so they'll, you know, they'll put them up as they come in. But one of the questions that somebody already asked, somebody emailed a question ahead of time, and they said, what words do I need to say to make the devil leave my life? Okay, now I've got to tell you, that is a model for witchcraft. That's not a model for Christianity. And I don't want to make this person feel bad. I won't say that tomorrow. But when we think we can just say an incantation and something's going to happen, it doesn't work that way, does it? But a lot of people do that. They say, I prayed a prayer and God didn't answer me. Well, did you talk to God about what you were praying about? How does he feel about what you're praying about? Because James chapter 5 says it this way. It says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You can resist the devil all day long, but if your life is compromised, you're not going to have the authority to kick the devil out of your house. I have been at homes to pray over homes and dedicate homes, and I've had people that have had pornography on their TV or R-rated stuff on their TV, and they said, we're dealing with the spirit of lust in our house. Can you pray with us and help cast that spirit out of our house? And I said, no. And they said, why not? I said, because of what your kids are watching on TV in the other room and you're allowing them as the authority in your home. This has actually happened to me several times. So your kids are in the other room and you're letting them watch horror movies and then you're having nightmares and you want me to bind a spirit and and cast it out of your home. Can't do it. You invited that spirit in until you align your heart with God. You're not going to have authority. So how important is submission? in our spiritual walk with the Lord, we need to be aligned with God if we're going to have God's authority in us. A lot of people don't hear answers to their prayers because they're doing the exact opposite of what God wants to do. Let me be honest with you. I think about some of the early prayers that I prayed as a brand new Christian. I thank God he didn't answer those prayers. I would be in big trouble if he answered those prayers because my heart was totally off. And I was asking for things that were my good ideas, but it wasn't good for me at that particular time. If we ask anything according to his will... See, there's a problem here. People think that they, they kind of see this thing as we come to God and we try to pray really impressive prayers. And if we can just get the right incantation, God has to listen to us. That's violating the principle of submission to authority. Because you have to be in alignment with God. He's more concerned about the condition of your heart and what you're doing and how you're living. And if you're in alignment with God, you can have the confidence that God will give you His words. That's when the Lord gives you that authority to take care of things. How many of you know that? It's true. It's powerful when God's authority works in us. But there's the principle of submission to authority, of aligning ourselves with authority. We have no authority against Satan and ourselves. We have no authority just by using His words. The story out of uh, Acts 19 where the uh, guys that were selling the Ephesian scrolls And they decided that, hey, we see Paul, he's casting out demons in Jesus' name. So what we're going to do, and this is what they did with Ephesian scrolls, they would take part of Scripture, roll them up in an amulet, and sell them. It was a great business. The city of Ephesus was all about idols and amulets and magic charms. Okay? These guys thought Jesus was just the latest power that they could tap into, and we could just say the name of Jesus, and there's going to be power. So what happened? 
the seven sons of Steva, a Jewish priest. They're at this home and they're trying to cast out a demon and the demon speaks through this man and says, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And beat the guys up and they ran out of the house. It says bleeding and naked. I've seen those things happen, by the way, especially in other countries where the demonic is more out in the open. They don't have more demonic than us. It's just more in the open. Do you hear what I said? The USA has just as much demonic activity as anywhere else. It's just in the devil's best interest to make people here uh, walk in a spirit of unbelief and think there isn't anything happening. Okay? When he reaches critical mass, that's when he comes out in the open. But those guys had the right name. They had the right words. They were saying the same thing Paul did, right? It didn't work because their hearts weren't in alignment. Because the Spirit of God didn't live in them. Because they weren't under the authority of Christ. So we need to, uh, that's why we were uh, stress repentance and forgiveness and living free. Because we want to see people's hearts aligned with God's purpose for their life. Repentance is one of the most powerful tools that we have in submitting our hearts to God. You say, well, how do I submit my heart to God? Well, you need to ask God to show you the areas where your life is compromised, where he wants you to repent and be restored in alignment with him. If you have unforgiveness in your hearts, you're going to have a power shortage in your life. Why? Because in Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus talks about the Lord's Prayer, he says, If you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, neither will I forgive you. I want you to think about this. There's one place in the Bible where Jesus can't do miracles. It's where the people had unbelief. The very Son of God. The very living Word of God. And the Lord is giving us a clue here, and He's telling you, if you have unforgiveness in your heart that he can't work through you. Because it's only when our hearts are broken. Now, is that, a, is that a point of submission? Yes. That's an example of submitting ourselves to God, resisting the enemy, and we flee. If you go in with a heart of judgment and unforgiveness toward people, your heart isn't going to get free because you're not in alignment with God. So how do we submit our hearts to God? There are a number of different ways, but there's two right there. Forgiveness and repentance. Realigning our hearts with God so that we're walking in His authority. Jesus also modeled life of submission to the Father in His role of redemption. And this is amazing to me, to think of what He did. Listen to Philippians 2 because it's so it's self-explanatory, but it's so clear. He says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, If any common sharing in the Spirit, see, he's talking about walking in the Spirit, what I just said a few moments ago. If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. God can't bless you if you're operating in selfish ambition. You're out of alignment or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. We're going to talk more about this in a moment. Not looking to your own interest, but, of, uh, but each of you to the interest of others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. The Father is saying to us, you need to look like Jesus. What does that mean? Who being in very nature God, 
Jesus was God himself. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Next page. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus could only have conquered sin for all humanity by taking on the nature of a servant, by emptying himself of all of his authority and saying, I am going to submit to the Father in all things. As a human being, even though he was God in the flesh, he was divine, he emptied himself and says, only by walking as a human being under submission to the Lord can I break the curse that has come against humanity. And he broke the curse. Thanks be to God. So guess what? The Lord's given us a clue here. He wants us to look like Jesus. Now the time is going to come. The Bible says the world really doesn't know who we are. Did you all know that you're kind of secret agents? What you are going to be, if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's coming a moment where you're going to be transformed when the Lord returns and sets up His kingdom. It says you'll be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And that we will be changed to be like Christ and our mortality will be swallowed up in immortality. We will have perfect bodies. We will have bodies not subject to sin, not subject to um, sickness. Think about that. We don't know what we look like now. We're just basically kind of a seed of what we're going to be. Okay? And in that moment, the Lord will exalt us because we have obeyed Him. But that's not the moment now. The moment now is we need to walk in the humility of Christ, honoring God in all that He wants to do so His purposes can be established in the earth. Jesus was an example for us. And as we talk about leadership over the next couple weeks, leadership in marriage, leadership in your business, in the marketplace, leadership in government, leadership in the church, there's one principle that's true about leadership in all of this. We don't lead by decree, we lead by example. Leading by decree is when you speak words over others and expect them to submit to your decree. Leading by example is when you roll up your sleeves and you get a bucket of water and say, guys, I'm going to show you how to wash feet here. Like Jesus did at the Last Supper. I'm going to show you how to put other people first instead of putting yourself first. And this is something that God wants us to understand about submission. It's not a bad thing, but it's a total lifestyle. It's a total attitude that God wants us to put on, and He wants us to look like Jesus. We are called uh, to walk in the same humility and submission that Jesus modeled. We are called to submit ourselves to God. We are also called to submit ourselves to one another. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, And now word to your elders in the churches. I too am an elder and witness of the suffering of Christ, and I too will share in His glory when He is revealed to the whole world. Now I'm going to preach to myself, so listen, and you can hold me accountable here. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you, watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, because you are eager to serve God. How many people do we see in the news that are in so-called ministry? that get in trouble because they weren't in, in it to serve God, they were in it to see how much they could get out of the flock. 
In Malachi and certain other places in the Old Testament, the Lord warns the priests and warns the shepherds over the people and says, because you have treated the sheep as meat instead of serving them and loving them, there's a judgment that is coming against you. I remember when we were raising goats a couple years ago, it was one of those wonderful winter mornings where it was about seven below zero. And I thought, I don't really have goats out there waiting to be fed. I don't want to go out to the, to the barn. But you know something I realized as, as I was on the way out there, I thought if I don't go out there today, they could die. In one day they could be dead because number one, their water was totally frozen. I always had to bring out, and even with a water heaters, the, the heaters that we put in their water dish, they would still freeze. I mean, once it goes below zero, you know the battle. You probably have less because you have a bigger barn. Mike built bigger barns like the guy in, no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, we, I'd go out there, and the goats would be so excited to see me, you know, and I gave them food and everything. I remember walking back to the barn one day, and the Lord said, this is the heart of a shepherd. You always take care of the weakest ones, the ones that can't take care of themselves first. So that's the words to pastors. Are pastors to rule over? So I hear these stories about pastors that ask uh, members of their congregation to give them notice when they're going on vacation to get permission. And I go, I don't see Jesus doing that. I want you all to be generous in giving, but I'm not going to check out your bank account. Take a deep breath. Everything's okay. Because Jesus didn't do that. Jesus laid his life down and he called people to follow him. And that's what being a shepherd is. But he goes on here because all of us need to learn to submit. So let's, now that I preach to myself, how am I doing? Okay. If you need to call me later, call me. Okay. He says, don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. Husbands in marriage, we lead by example. So when you're, I was talking to a mom, not from our church yesterday, talking on the phone, and we were talking about how dads set the example for the children and their family and how they're going to treat the women in their life. So do you come home from work and yell because food isn't done just the way you want it? Or do you roll up your sleeves and say, honey, how can I help get, you din- how, how can I help get dinner on the table? Okay. Or if you both work, to say, hey, let's make a deal. Let's be a team, be a team marriage. And by the way, we're going to do this fall... Uh, freedom, the freedom and family marriage thing, and it talks about having a team marriage, how to have a team marriage. How do I roll up my sleeves and show my children how to serve their mom, how to serve their family, how to have the attitude that Jesus did? I'm going to say something here. I know that in a lot of the mega church meetings that I've been in, There's a lot of really high-octane stuff out there about faith, but I haven't heard a lot of stuff like this about serving and loving and rolling up your sleeves. I know that because I've watched enough so-called, I'm not going to call it Christian TV, we'll call it religious TV, okay? We'll let God make the judgment there. But I've watched enough religious TV to know that people are plumbing a narrow bandwidth of stuff to get people to give them money. I don't want to go off on that. Let's look at verse 5. It says, In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. This is telling the younger people in the church, honor those who are elders among you. And all of you, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. 
For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Now, we have a dress code in this church, and it's about time I talked about it. (laughs) Chris is, he's all excited. No blue shirts with stripes on them, Chris. No madras plaids, Doug, sorry. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Do you know what the dress code is? We need to be clothed with humility. All right, well, that sounds pretty cool. But what does it mean to be clothed with humility? Does that mean have shirts with holes in them? Does that mean have jeans that are really stressed? Always buy them used. Those are humble jeans, right? It's not talking about that. What it's talking about is how we present ourselves to other people. Do you know that when you walk into a room, you bring a lot of things with you? What, what, what comes in the room with you when you walk in the room? Is it pride? Is it insecurity? Is it arrogance? Is it self-centeredness? There there are some people I've met over the years, I don't think they know anything about me. Every time I see them, all they want to do is talk about themselves. You know? If I ask them a question about who I was, they wouldn't know because all they're concerned about is telling me about them. Some of you are laughing. And we can all get that way, can't we? What does it mean to submit? What does it mean to be clothed with humility? And by the way, submission doesn't mean abject obedience and subservience. But let's talk a little bit about what it means to be clothed with humility. It's a key descriptor here of what humility is, and we're going to close with this. What it means is that you're honoring the other person as a person made in God's image with his or her own calling and identity. Every person that you encounter every day is known to your heavenly Father. Every one of them has been made in the image of God. From the homeless person that you saw under the bridge near the parking deck where you parked, to the bank executive that you talked to about your home loan, to the person that is serving in the supermarket or serving in the restaurant, All of them have been made in the image of God. Every one of them has a destiny from God if they will allow God to show them that destiny. Every one of them has value in God's eyes. And if you walk through your life with that understanding, it makes you treat people differently than if you think they're not really important to you and to God. I have to be honest with you. I have been with Christians in restaurants and I've heard the way that some people speak to the wait staff and I'm scandalized. I've been in stores and I've seen the way people treat other people and I'm scandalized. Janice and I have had people work at our house, contractors and people that worked on our lawn or trees or whatever, and I've asked them, can I get you guys something to drink? And they look at me like, who are you? Janice will bring out cookies, and then it's all over from there, you know. Then they won't leave. Right, you guys are done with the job. You can leave our porch now. But they want to stay. <laughs> or we'll say, this, this one thing blew this uh, group away. I said, hey, listen, if you guys need to use the restroom, just take your shoes off. Let me show you where they are. The guy says, wait a minute. You're going to let us use the restroom in your house? This one guy said, I've worked in Hudson on and off all my life. You are the first person that's ever said, come on into my house. Had a guy that stopped at the church about a month ago. 
He was an African-American guy, and he said, I don't know what's going on. He said, I just was so discouraged in this town by trying to sell the product that I sell. He said, but I saw your sign, and I felt like the Lord said, that's a safe place. Go in there. And he drove in, and he's got this company. It's a service company, and I won't say because that's his story to tell. But we ended up praying together. We ended up having a blast, and I think we're going to hire him down the road because he can do some things we need done in, in, in our building. And I thought, this is, this is awesome. And he said, I knew, I knew I heard the Holy Spirit. I knew. He said, maybe it was the name of your church. I don't know what it was. He said, but I knew this was going to be a safe place for me. And then it turned out that, you know, he knew some people and I knew, we knew some people in common. And I gave him a phone number, a guy he'd been trying to find. He says, I know that guy. You have his phone number? I mean, God has a way of connecting people. So when you go into a room, do you bring pride? Are you like this with people? Do you bring a face that's approachable? I know sometimes Janice said, you know, Joe, you don't realize it, but you're scary. I, don't, I look in the mirror, I think. I don't, I'm just kind of a, grandma, a grandfather, model A2, you know. And uh, so this is really funny. I bought this new hat because my hats were wearing out. And it's got a kangaroo on the front. It's one of those uh, Kangol caps, you know. It's their, it's their logo. And I put this hat on, and I went to the store for Janice. All these people wanted to talk to me. And I said, Janice, what's going on? This is like a magical hat. She says, you don't get it. She says, the kangaroo makes people happy. They just want to talk to you. It's like you're putting on a whole new front when you go into the store. She said, guys with hats like that, instead of skulls, skulls do not inspire. (laughs) Everything's okay. You can confide in me. I'm a good guy to talk to. Okay, unless you're a biker. Sorry, nothing against the bikers. You know, they have a whole different. But, you know, I, I walked in with this hat. I'm at CVS. And this girl says, hey, can I tell you, I'm going overseas and I'm, I'm going to this other country and this is where my family is originally from. And I thought, why is she telling me all this stuff? <laughs> and Janice said, it was the hat. She said she felt safe. Is it true? I don't know. But it's, it, so, but it's the smile that you have on your face. Many, many years ago, I went into the Hudson Library and this lady was crying and I saw the way the people treated her. They were yelling at her like they, this lady was her slave. And I walked up to the counter, and this lady was there, and I said, listen, I said, why don't you just take a deep breath, go in the back room and pretend like you're looking for something for me, and take five minutes, and I'm going to stand here at the counter and tell uh, people that you're waiting on me. And she went in the back room, had a good cry, washed her face, she came back out, and she said, that was the best gift. She said, that was so cool. She said, what do you need? I said, nothing now, I forgot. I didn't even know. I, you know... But I thought, Lord, this is why I'm here. I came for some book. I forgot what it was. But the whole point is, is what do you bring in with you? When you have people that are in a restaurant and they're waiting on your table, do they walk away saying, man, those people are awesome. And I heard them talking about Jesus and they tip like they know Jesus. All right, I'm going to tell you a secret right now because some of you are getting ready to go to dinner after the service. Do you know that there are people in restaurants that they hate the after-church crowd because the tips are so bad? I've had non-Christians tell me that people left them a track with no money and said, this is our tip for you today. Jesus loves you so much. He loves you so much that I'm not leaving you a tip. (laughs) There's a disconnect there. Do you know that sometimes we can bring things in with us that we're not even aware of? It can be our own insecurity. I used to be terminally shy. You're saying, no way. Well, it was a long time ago. (laughs) 
until the Lord dealt with me and said, shyness is terminal self-centeredness. When you're shy, there's not a moment you're not thinking about what other people think about you, and that's idolatry, and you need to repent of it. Because what people who were around me when I was shy picked up from me wasn't that I had a problem. They picked up that, that I didn't like them. So for all the shy people out there, I know how you feel. I've been there. I want to tell you right now what you're communicating to other people. And I, what you're communicating to other people is you don't like them and you don't want to listen to them and you don't want to hear what they have to say. You don't mean that in a million years. I know that. I didn't mean that. But sometimes it's the brokenness of our life we need to allow the Lord to shine through us. I want to skip ahead. There's a slide that talks about the puffer fish, and I'm going to close with this. How many of you have ever seen the puffer fish? Kids love stuff like this. And this is from uh, National Geographic Kids, their uh, site online. It says, according to National Geographic Kids, the puffer fish can inflate into a ball shape to evade predators, also known as blowfish. These clumsy swimmers fill their elastic stomachs with huge amounts of water and sometimes air and blow themselves up to several times their normal size. Insecure people do the same thing. But these blow-up fish aren't just cute. Most pufferfish contain a toxic substance that makes them foul-tasting and potentially deadly to other fish. The toxin is deadly to humans, 1,200 times more deadly than cyanide. There's enough poison in one puffer fish to kill 30 adult humans, and there's no known antidote. And very skilled Chinese chefs serve puffer fish. They have to cut it a very certain way with very sharp knives so the poison does not get into the sushi. I will never eat it. Let me just tell you that. Like puffer fish, human beings can blow themselves up with pride and arrogance to make themselves look bigger than they are. How many of you know that dr people that dress a certain way or act a certain way simply to keep people at bay, to let other people know they're better than them? Pride is a toxic, it's just like the toxin of the puffer fish has. If you can make even the least of these, as the Bible says, in your life feel valued that Christ loves them and that you love them, you're doing the work of Christ. That's what it means to walk with humility, to be clothed with humility, and that's what it means to have a heart of submission. It doesn't mean that you're a doormat and you let people order you around. We're going to talk about that more next week. It doesn't mean that you don't have a life and you don't have boundaries. We do. Sometimes we have to, like I did yesterday, beep the horn and say, sorry, ma'am, you're not driving out in the middle of the intersection while we're going through. You get what I'm saying there? Do you understand the difference? Let me read on here. Pufferfish, like pufferfish, human beings can blow themselves up with pride and arrogance to make themselves look bigger than they are. And this pride can become toxic to a marriage, a church, or a friendship. No wonder the late Bible scholar John Stott once said, pride is your greatest enemy and humility is your greatest friend. That's what it means to be clothed with humility. So that Christ shines through even in our brokenness. All of us are broken, right? Don't we always say that? And I know that there are certain things in my life that I have to be aware of or I will communicate the wrong thing to others. And I don't always do the right thing. Sometimes when I'm in a hurry, I can, I can communicate exactly the wrong thing to people. And the Lord's dealing with me about that and saying, you need to represent me no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. 
But that's the word for us today, to be clothed with humility, to take on a heart like Jesus, a heart of submission that says, even though he was the son of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself a servant. It means walking through life every day thinking, how can I make a difference in the lives of the people around me? There are so many people that are worried and upset about evangelism. Forget about going out and preaching at people. How about serving people and having them say, what's different about you? You don't have to preach then. All you have to do is say, well, let's grab a cup of coffee and I'll tell you what's going on in me. I'm on this journey and this is what God's doing in me. Can we bow our heads this morning? I always ask the Lord as I prepare the word for Sunday morning, what is the response that you want and how do you, what do you want me to call people to today? And I felt like the Lord said there's an obedience point this morning. And the obedience point is to say, Lord, this is an area where I need to really change. I've been a little bit of a puffer fish lately. And God, I need you to help me not to communicate the wrong things. I need you to help me to have that heart of humility to be more like Jesus. How many of you would say you want to get rid of some puffer fish behaviors? Raise your hand. Let's pray. Let's stand together. Father, there are a lot of people that are raising their hands. I think this is something that's all part of our spiritual journey. Lord, if we're going to walk in obedience to you and submission to you, then we need to change the way that we look at the people around us. Jesus, to think that you were the very one who spoke all things into existence. You understand all the mysteries of subatomic and atomic theory. You know all of that stuff, and you were part of all of creation coming together, and yet you looked for the least of these wherever you went, whatever you did. You saw the people that society neglected, the people that society wouldn't touch. The people that were rejected, like the woman caught in adultery. And somehow, Lord, you gave them a sense of worth and love because you were clothed with humility. Lord, I, I know I've done that right some of the time, but there are other times I haven't. Would you help us today, Lord, all of us that raised our hands, would you help us to learn how to be clothed with humility? Would you help us to learn how to take on, Father, that spirit that you took on? and serving the Father in every way. Forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, when we have walked with pride. Forgive us, Lord, when we've walked with rebellion. Forgive us when we've judged others. Forgive us when we've tried to make ourselves better than other people. Forgive us, Lord, when we have done things that have made people feel small instead of making them feel bigger. Just work in us, we pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. We bless you, God. Bless you. Hallelujah. Let's go walk in the obedience of the Lord.